Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, April 1st, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. No, Danny Rojas, the character on the TV show Ted Lasso, didn't sign with Sporting Kansas City, as the team said in a release today. Uh, Check the date. It's April 1st. But there is plenty of soccer to discuss, with both Sporting KC and KC NWSL putting the finishing touches on preseason training. Sporting is looking to regain the form that made them the Western Conference champions last year. And as for the women's squad, it's great to see it back in Kansas City. FC Kansas City left in 2017 for Utah. Now the team is back, and their first game is next Friday. Beat writer Sean Goodwin breaks down the clubs and even gets into a bit of a rant over the U.S. under-23 national team not qualifying for the Olympics. So let's get going talking soccer with Sean Goodwin. Okay, Sean, I start this morning looking at my at my email, and I see I get a release from Sporting Kansas City. I'm thinking, hey, they've got a player. That's interesting. That'll, that'll give us something to talk about right off the bat, current, current events. Uh, and then I read the release, uh, called it up and read it, and ha 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 ha, a little April Fool's joke on uh, from from Sporting. It was kind of funny though, wasn't it? I thought it was funny. There was a lot of people who didn't think it was funny. Um, yeah, for for people who don't know, getting uh, actually signed Danny Rojas from Lasso. Obviously, Tez Lasso and um, Jason Sezakis being Kansas City folk. So yeah, you know, I thought it was a funny tweet, but. Uh, a lot of fans didn't. There was a little bit of backlash um, asking, you know, ah, we need a left winger. Why would you make this joke? Blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I, I'm glad there wasn't breaking news at 9 a.m. I was still half asleep. Um, but no, I, I thought it was a good laugh. Yeah, good laugh. And uh, I'll tell you one thing before I forget it. Uh, at some point during our conversations as the season unfolds, we are going to spend, we're going to devote some time to Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. And um, and in his and, and that show, award-winning show, I haven't seen it yet. So mm-hmm. I want to I want to binge it, um, you know, and uh, and then and then talk to you about it. But but soon after that release hit my mm-hmm. inbox, we're starting to hear that uh, Roy Williams, the North Carolina basketball coach, who spent his first fifteen seasons as a head coach at Kansas, um, it was retiring. And you think, well, wait a second, I just saw the Sporting Kansas City release. So this has to be this has to be a ha-ha as well. <laughs> Turns out it wasn't. Roy Williams is stepping down after 33 years as a head coach. You weren't here when Roy was coaching at Kansas, were you? I was not, no. So he's he's been at North I know what for 15 years now. 18. He got there in 2003. His last year at KU was 2018 then. So, yeah, I mean, I moved here in 2011, so I was way, way, way past who Lee Williams came yeah. to you. Okay. All right, look, um, so we, we, we haven't spent enough time uh, talking about April Fool's jokes and, and the sort, but um, let's talk about Sporting Kansas City. Uh, when we last left Peter Vermees' club, they were licking their wounds from a difficult playoff loss to Minnesota, and I just remember the, the the weight of that loss. It was just so disappointing the way they were outplayed that night, thoroughly outplayed by by Minnesota. But it's a new season. Expectations are are high for this team, and it starts with a couple of well. It, let's let's spend some time first of all talking about who is back for Sporting Kansas City 
We know Matt Beasler is not, uh, but there are some familiar faces back on this club. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've really not lost too many players over this offseason. I mean, the big one was Matt Beasler. Uh, but, you know, I think one of the big questions, especially through the January transfer window, was uh, General Cabuzio. You know, he's always had interest in Europe, it seems like, for the last couple of years. He's only 18. I'm sure he'll go eventually. Uh, but, you know, the question was, it's January transfer window for Europe. Now, obviously, it's the off-season for sports, and, you know, will he go? And he, he flips the script and takes the number 10 jersey and says, which is a big move for an 18-year-old race. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Johnny also gets made captain. Uh, you know, Polizo's obviously still here to stay. He still have a bunch of veterans, Espinosa, Amelia, Zussi. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the only big name really to leave would be Matt Beasler. But uh, but they did bring in a couple of uh, yes. a couple of big names here, and I'll leave it to you for the pronunciations. Yes, so uh, the two big ones is the, uh, the easily easier one, um, Remy Walter, who uh, I'd say a couple of months I was calling Remy Martin. He's the uh, is he a basketball player. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but no, uh, um, midfielder. You know, he plays six or eight. When I when he first came in, I talked to Peter. He you know he talked about using Remy at the six. So that sense his offensive mid role. But since then, it looks like you know he's he's probably going to be pushing more up into that centre midfield number eight kind of role, box to box midfielder. Um, I mean, Sporting's midfield is pretty stacked. But when you look at the injuries they've had, that's not a bad thing, right? Uh, so um, you know you start to ask a question of the rotation there. You've got Remy Walter, you've got Buzio, of course, you've got Gazi Kinder. Espinosa. Um, but no, he that's a big sign. You know, he he's played in France and he's played in Europa League and you know, a couple of high-level teams. And then at the back, which is probably more important, uh, they replaced Matt Beasler with Nicholas Isamat Marin. Um, again, another Frenchman. Uh, you know, he's played in France, uh, he's played Champions League, actually. Um, you know, he's played against Atletico Madrid and Bayern Munich and he rubbed shoulders with some of the biggest names in European, European and world soccer. Honestly, you know, Robert Lewandowski and all those kinds. But now, uh, from what I've heard from Peter, uh, Isamat Marin, or Izzy, as I guess he is on second reference, that's kind of what the boys call him. Uh, you know, a very, he, he's kind of got it all by his signs, but, you know, speed, height, he can jump, he's strong. Uh, Peter says he was really impressed with how much ground he could cover uh, in a short space of time. So, this season, I think probably we'll get is and uh, Roberto Punchek is probably our starting two, uh, and then it, it might feel like a new signing. I wrote a story about it only earlier this week. Andre Fontas too, you know, he's been injured for it feels like forever, and fans didn't really know why. It turns out so it was a Haglings deformation thing, as both his Achilles, one after the other, and he had surgery. He's out for a year, so. He, he's back, he's healthy. Um, you know, he played the end of last season a couple of games and scores against Colorado too. So, you know, I think those three could be a really good rotation. Um, and with Graham Smith probably number four as well, that kind of centre-back role. Right there. So that's the big two coming into this new season. Gosh, I almost think of Fontes as a newcomer. Um, nice. The number of games he's played, um, just, just kind of can't wait for him to have a good full season with, with this club. Um, what uh, uh, 
what, what's, what, what is the expectation this year for, for this team? What, what are, what are the pundits saying? What, uh, this, you know, it strikes me as a, uh, ex, you know, with Peter, you never expect less than a, a, a good run at a championship, yeah. but is this, is this team capable? Yeah. I mean, I don't see, maybe not always the championship goal certainly be out. So to speak to your typical teams of your FC and Columbus nowadays and New York City FC aren't looking too bad. But uh, at the end of the day, they finished first in the West last year and they didn't really lose any pieces. Like like we said, he lost Beasley, but he was barely playing by the end of the season anyway. Um, and all you've done is gain, you know, solid credential players to slotting to the rotation. So... Absolutely. Obviously, again, expect for a 34 full game season. There's other competitions. Um, if we want to talk about US Open Cup stuff, we can. There's the League's Cup later in the season. So, yeah, obviously, more games, more rotation is going to be needed. And the season seems to be a bit backloaded for some reason, like congestion wise. But, I mean, when you look at last season, finishing first in the West, there's no reason why that shouldn't be a goal. And then you mentioned the loss to Minnesota in the playoffs. They were thoroughly outplayed in the first half. Um, but that was a tactical thing, like not marking the right players, so on and so forth. But even when you look at that game, it could have been one or two nil up before Minnesota even got a sniff of goal. And they kept it pretty even in the second half. So, you know, when a bad 15, 20 minutes on game knocks you out of the playoffs, yeah, it's a it's one and done format nowadays. You can't afford that, but uh, there's no reason why they shouldn't try making a deep run this year. And Minnesota was on fire at the end of last year as well, as I recall. They were they were they were they were just hard for anybody to handle. Yep. Hey, yep. Um, let's uh, let's switch to a more uncomfortable subject. And that is the elimination of the United States team from uh, from Olympic qualifying. They knocked them. They were knocked out by Honduras uh, earlier this week, and that that eliminated the United States from uh, from from the Olympics, which are going to happen in Tokyo in a few months. And listen, Olympic soccer is not World Cup soccer, but it is an opportunity to represent your nation. Um, in you know in, in a world competition um and, and and i've noticed historically that because olympic soccer is for basically uh, it, it, it's capped at what 23 years old except for a few a few yeah. players it ends up yeah. if, if you're successful it ends up being something of a foreshadowing of, of maybe a national team a few years from now um i mean ghana i think had an olympic run a few years ago or a few olympics ago that um, that said, oh wow, this look, you know, keep an eye on this bunch. But um, U.S. knocked out. What a disappointment that is. And and there's a local twist to it too, isn't there? Yeah. So just before we got to go, this which was you know, Peter talked about it um, in his press conference earlier this week. But just for the team itself, there's a lot of layers to unpack. Uh, <laughs> I'll try not going to all of them, but I think the major disappointment is at the end of the day. That wasn't, you know, that wasn't the US's best U23 team. You know, they were almost rolling out a C or a D team. Uh, while some of the best players, whether it's Christian Pulisic and Gio Reina and or, you know, Anthony Robinson even, you know, they were all up with the, the full senior team playing a, 
a useless friendly against Northern Ireland, like, okay, whoop de doo while the US U23 team is um, is being knocked out of, you know, well, Olympic qualifying. But my issue with it is, one, because of, you know, certain players not being called up, John Lucabuzio for a local twist being one of them for whatever reason, um, it, it's like the US what taking it seriously in that in Europe, you know, you've got your Germany's, Italy's, England's, France's, like the last World Cup, England didn't make it, they failed to qualify. But there's such a rich soccer, not rich soccer history, but a pedigree for those teams as well. That if they miss the Olympics one year, it's like, okay, well, you know, we, we still know the senior team is great. So, you know, we've a lot of those other countries won World Cups. England's won one in 1966. But, <laughs> but, but those teams get... For lack of a better word, they have the clout, I guess. Um, the US doesn't. The, the whole point of US soccer right now is, I guess, there's some great players playing abroad, but they don't have the clout to be putting out CLD teams to the Olympics and acting like we don't care about this, we only care about the World Cup. If the US won an Olympics, heck, if the US got into the semis or the finals of Olympics. That is showing that hey, there's a good generation of players coming up. We're here to stay, and it's a, it's a serious show of intention. And then says they're sending out kids, not kids. I mean, good good soccer players, but I mean, I, I can just go through, like I said, Buzio, Jeremy Abobis. He didn't even get called up. Cole Bassett for Colorado. These are players who, of age of U23, better than a lot of the players who were called up, and they were just left sitting at home. Uh, I, I don't know what the tactic was there. Um, and secondly, uh, I'm sorry to, to rant on about this, uh, but it's the tactics as well. And again, I, I'll give this a little twist of Buzio. Uh, if you watch the Honduras game, they just they look. It doesn't look to be any source of creativity going forward. And a big reason of that was uh, if you look at the midfielders that the US brought along, they brought six in the squad, uh, five. Then were defensive-minded midfielders. Angus Six was Georgi Mihalovic, who's been playing as a winger more than a number 10 nowadays. So then uh, Jason Christ, the head coach, comes out and he's saying, ah, we're not a team to hoof the ball up the field. We want to play the ball with our feet, play it out of the back, you know, play pretty soccer. When you've got five defensive-minded midfielders and no crease of midfielders in the team, you can't do that. Who's going to be feeding the attackers to be scoring goals? And that's exactly where a guy like Buzio comes in, who even has a number six, if he's playing defensive mid, he's attack-minded. He can take the ball, he can spray those good passes to the attackers, he can get the ball forward. And none of that seems to have been taken into account for this U23 team this Olympic round. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> well, no, that was good. And we're going to hear from Peter Vermees right now on, uh, he, he was asked about it at his press conference earlier this week by Greg Eklund. And I thought he gave a, uh, a terrific answer. Uh, after we hear from Peter Vermees, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we've got a new team in town to discuss. So um, here is Peter Vermees. I, I would say I share in the sentiment that uh, very disappointed. Um, I think you guys all know me very well. Um, I always take the approach that if you're going to participate in something, then you should put every effort forward to then 
win in this in this uh, 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 vocation. If you're in sports, it's about winning. Um, on the national team level, I think you have different tournaments, right? You have the World Cup, you have the Olympics, you have the U20s, uh, 17s. You have these different competitions that you have in front of you and available to try and first off qualify for and then second then compete to try to win. And I think you should put everything you have forward to try to do that. Um, I think the experience of the Olympics is a tremendous experience for the next generation of players that are coming through because qualifying is very tough and to now be um, uh, to, to not share in that experience um, makes it more difficult when you ask those same players who haven't really participated in that kind of qualification rounds and against those teams that you're going to play, you then ask them to do that at the World Cup level. They are already lacking in experience. Um, I think we have some tremendous talents right now. We have uh, some incredible players, but I think that uh, we should have done everything we could to have all the players that are eligible to play in the Olympics. We should have done everything we could to work with their clubs to give them the opportunity to find success. And if, and if we lose from there, then we have to ask other questions. But, and it's no disrespect to the players that were on the team. It's just that there's a lot of players uh, out there that I, you know, I, I see that could participate in that. And the fact that, um, you know, I, look, I, I'm going to stand up for one of the players that we have. The fact that Busio was not included was incredibly surprising to me. Um, really was. When you talk about if, if you supposedly want to play, um, that kid can play. So it's unfortunate. It's just it's just a huge opportunity lost from an experience point of view for all of our players going into this 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 next generation of players. Because I know this as a player, I came through the system. And having played in the Olympics and gone through that qualification uh, uh, process, having to go to Honduras, Guatemala, Costa Rica, all these different places, El Salvador, um, it, it really helped when the next go around, I had to get ready and try to qualify for the first time in 40 years for the World Cup in 1990. And, and having that experience beforehand was, in, was tremendously valuable. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. John Goodwin, who covers uh, soccer for the Kansas City Star, is with us. And we could spend an entire show talking sporting Kansas City, and I'm sure there'll be some shows where that occurs. But there's a second soccer team in town, Sean, and it's great to see the women are back in Kansas City. Um, still don't um, no nickname for this team, uh, and, it, and 
as you as you inform me, that's probably it's going to be the case, right, throughout the season. Yeah. For the season, yeah, Casey and WSL. And from what it sounded like you were talking about, you know, when, especially when you do like a logo release and whatnot as well, um, that sounds like they'll, they'll probably keep certain aspects of the logo, but it sounds like once they come up with branding, with a name and whatnot, there's going to be a new logo of sorts as well from it sounds like when you first. So, yeah, it's kind of like it's first year, it's, it's going to be. Get get all the uh, get the merchandise while you can because it'll be limited edition in a couple of years, right? Hey, people will uh, will remember that the sport sporting Kansas City was the Kansas City Wiz its first year in town. It was the only year it was the Wiz became the Wizards after that, and then Sporting KC. So we still have a Kansas City Wiz pennant in our house somewhere. I'm going That's to the in, in, yeah collectors from 1996. Um, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm so ha- so happy to see the the team return. And, you know, their 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 first st- uh, first day in Kansas City was wildly successful. This was a terrific team, wasn't it? When they were here five years yeah. ago. Yeah, I mean, they won two NWSL championships. They had US women's national team players on the team. Um, it's just you know the, the support wasn't there, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, and again, don't want to blame that wholly on the fans. I think we talked about this a couple of months ago as well. We don't have to get super in depth, but yeah, it was just bad ownership, bad marketing, um, full support wasn't behind the team, and it just it didn't pan out. So it's good to see them back in Kansas City. Um, you know, the Long family seemed to be super invested, doing a really good job. And I know we, we've mentioned Inga Star a couple of times. I know um, Sam Mellinger did a really good piece on them a little while back. So uh, now it's it's looking good, and I was actually chatting to Mallory Weber. She's uh, she's on loan. She she was on loan at the League United. Since the Utah days, uh, she's set to come back later this month. Actually, and she was saying even from afar, she's just hairs like you know how, how much the city's embraced the team, the excitement. So yeah, it, it's it's good to have come back. So. Um... Uh, just a couple nuts and bolts things you wrote recently also that they've decided on a goalkeeper and uh, yep. familiar name, familiar face. Who's that going to be? Yeah, it's uh, Abby Smith. Um, she'll be starting goalkeeper going forward. And yeah, so she joins back in the, uh, the Utah Royals days. And I mean, she's been a regular starter ever since she arrived, to be honest. Um, but, you know, when, when the team came back to Kansas City, uh, head coach Hugh Williams, you know, he says, I'm open to competition. I'm not just going to say, Abby, you're the starting goalkeeper right off the bat. And the club's got three goalkeepers. There's Abby, there's um, Carly Nelson, who she's a recent Utah grad. Uh, she played for the Rain for a little while. And then the big one is Nicole Barnhart, who we all remember from the last things here. And obviously she's a two-time Olympic gold medalist with the US Women's National Team. She's a World Cup runner-up. Uh, but at the end of the day, she's 39 years old. And I mean, even my limits is interactions with Barney. I love her, you know, the coaching staff, the players all love her. But yeah, it's Hugh says that Abby Smith is the clear number one going forward. And yeah, I guess vision, I guess. And it's not a huge surprise. Again, just you know, taking everything into account of Barney's age, Carly's pretty new to the league. Abby was the starter back in Utah. So it's not a huge surprise. But it's an angstrom of us. Okay, when uh, when is the, uh, the KCW uh, NWSL's first game, and where are their home games? Yeah, so the first game 
Our sports schedule for the first home game, but the first actual game is April 9th. Uh, we're travelling to Portland uh, against the Portland Orms, and that's going to be for the Challenge Cup. Um, so essentially for fans who aren't super familiar, uh, they did this last year too, uh, partly because of all the COVID stuff and whatnot. But the Challenge Cup, it's, they're treating it as a season opener. Uh, there's two groups, uh, um, and then you know, each team will play each other once because there are five teams per group. And then the top two teams from each group will go on to play in the semi-finals in a final format. So, um, yeah, that's against Portland Thorns. And then the first home game is equal 26, which is a Monday night. Yeah, we're going to play the Houston Dash, who are last year's Challenge Cup winners, actually. So we're welcoming in, yeah, welcoming, uh, the reigning champions, I guess. So, yeah, that, that's first home game. And you'll be playing at, I believe it's called Legends Field now, where the Casey Monarchs are, former T-Bones, or its former iterations of its names. <laughs> so, so yeah, that, that's where we'll be playing. Uh, Capacity-wise, I've not been told an exact number. Um, what I was told was Ergon Monarchs, I believe, is in 50 capacity. Um, so with the hint I was giving, it's not confirmed. Um, but I was when I asked uh, uh, PR folk, uh, um, Casey Woso, Casey NWSL, you're like, ah, oh, we can't say yeah, but the monarchs are doing 50%. So I think it'll be around there somewhere. And uh, I guess just my last point tonight is if you go to uh, the Twitter account for the women's team, at least a video yesterday, uh, just showing what the stadium will look like, how they're transforming uh, the baseball stadium into a soccer stadium, uh, grazing a line of bleachers down, I guess it would be well, fed baseline. Right. Uh, so essentially, you know, so, so it's not like where's bleachers. Uh, so, well, it's where like, it stands off of the regular baseball field. They're pulling bleachers forward in the outfield. So, um, so fans can be a little bit closer to the action there. Okay, and how about Sporting KC? When, uh, when, when, is, when is their first game? Boston's first game is, again, should I have this up top of my, top of my head? One second. They are playing on the road to start. Yep, April 17th. Um, so they play in New York Red Bulls away. That's the season opener. And then they will return against Orlando City on April 23rd. And that's one of the few, um, a couple of the few East Coast teams that could play. It's heavy this season, heavy towards the Western Conference. Um, I think that's just because of COVID and keeping things, you know, a little bit more sectionalized. Um, but yeah, so Orlando, April 23rd is the home opener. And uh, capacity-wise for them, they will be at 6,500, so about 35% capacity. Uh, but apparently, um, they, all, they could have went higher, apparently, for capacity. Uh, but get one to start low, keep things safe, and as the season progresses, the um, produced capacity will increase until hopefully by the end of the year, when I hope COVID is everyone's vaccinated, or everyone who wants to be vaccinated is vaccinated. We can uh, hopefully be back to full capacity by the end of the year, but that's just me being hopeful. Well, I know the Royals, who have their home opener today, and the Chiefs have the same hopes that uh, by the time. Where my Royals jersey says I. Yeah, good cap and jersey on. You are ready to roll. So, all right, Sean, it was great catching up with you after uh, after a couple of months of uh, of not talking soccer. We're going to try to do it on a pretty regular basis this yep. season, and uh, we will talk to you again soon, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. And 
Tip of the cap to Sean Goodwin for stopping by and talking Sporting Kansas City and KCNWSL. Links to his stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we've got another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the star's sports section online. You get all the stuff that is in the print product, plus, plus much, much more. After three months, this deal auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel. And what a time to subscribe. The Royals are opening their season today. March Madness is this weekend with the Final Four, and it's never not Chiefs season, as you know. So how do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You got all the stories written by my uber talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E edition. I love the E edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com/slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, you send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I will get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we will be back on Friday with another episode.